Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. As we're heading into this crazy season, this is a series is called Advent and a Prophetic Imagination. Beginning to partner with God to see what he wants to do with us. Like I said before, I think that we can be so afraid of our imaginations that we learn as adults to be realistic. We learn to um, treat our We learn to treat our creative side with a little more suspicion <laughs> uh, and, and kind of a reticence sometimes. But I think that this is why God spoke so many different ways to so many different people, because everyone hears God in a different way. And do you know there's a specific way that he speaks to you that he needs to get the message to someone else through you. In particular, your experiences, everything you've been through, everything you've seen, your life with Jesus is all this wonderful, beautiful cocktail that is going to be presented to someone else, and that's the only way they can get to the kingdom. That's crazy. So if he begins to take us out with you know, um, our discouragement or pulling us from community, allowing us to isolate ourselves, then it becomes that much easy to, to uh, keep you from all the people you're meant to touch. You're like, man, why am I being attacked right now? This is crazy. It's not just for you. It's for all those people that you know who are not believers and could be as far from Jesus as possible. And if they don't see Christ through you, they will see it through no one else. But this, this place of oppression and darkness that it can feel like it's in a city sometimes is the same sort of environment that existed when Jesus came on the scene. In um, Proverbs 29 and 18, it says, Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is the one who keeps the law. In another version, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish, because they don't have anywhere to go. What happened during the pandemic? We don't have any vision. When is it going to start? My kids, well, no matter where we're driving, when are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? If you don't know your destination and you don't know the time of your arrival, you are going to be perishing in some way. You are going to be taking a step back in a lot of ways. And that threw people for a loop. You couldn't plan. You couldn't get married. You couldn't have a family reunion. You couldn't do any kind of events because all of that vision had been cut off. Our ability to see further, our ability to believe further than the place that we are currently. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained or the people are perished, but happy is the one who keeps the law. That God speaks upon our hearts and he shows us things 
places that he wants to take us. That's going to be the big part of this, this series is that he shows us places he wants to take us. So my, my heart for you, my question to you is where has he shown you that he wants to take us? It's important that every bit of, of, of dreams that you have, every bit of visions that you have are important because those are places that God is inviting us to inhabit. And, we, and they only come through our imagination. There's a reason that God can show us so much when we're asleep. Why? Because we don't have any resistance. We don't have the resistance of, oh, you know, working our way. I don't know about that. That's crazy. That's weird. I don't know. We're just completely open. Our unconscious is like taking a wheel, and God can just drop things in our spirit. He can just continue to speak to us in a way that it wouldn't happen before. But it's important that we keep this vision. This is what I try to do here. Keep vision in front of us. Keep where God is going. Because it looks like things look a certain way, right? It looks like there's nobody in here. There's no, but God has shown me every single possible seat in here being filled with people ready to pursue him. Even this week I had a dream of that same thing, of young people flooding in here to receive Jesus, to hear about Jesus, hungry for his word, but that's not what it looks like. But there's this, this quote that says, vision is what gives pain a purpose. That if we don't have vision in front of our lives, we want to think that God is just like trying to torture us. <laughs> that he's just trying to like get something away from us. That he's always like taking us backward in a different place. But we're going to begin to talk about some of these people who had to keep vision firmly in front of them. They had to. Or else they would never see God's promises come. If there is something, this week of Advent is hope. There is something about hope that really energizes the world and energizes us. And there is no hope better than a one that rests in Jesus. There is something about us moving with expectation. We walk with purpose. We believe with a certainty that God is going to do some amazing things. And it's not like, oh, I'm just believing it's just pie in the sky. You know, don't you know God, like, as probably in so many times in Scripture, he has spoken to people in a whisper. A whisper. And they've taken that word and changed the world with it. Looks like you don't believe me. Elijah was in a cave. And there was thunder, and there was lightning, and there was wind, and there was all this stuff. God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the thunder. He wasn't in the lightning. He was in the still, small voice. And Elijah comes out of the cave and talks to Jesus. He talks to the Lord and begins to change the history of Israel, that we would be energized by hope. In Isaiah 9 and 10, which is commonly read during Advent, it said, The people who have remained in darkness have seen a light. And what a great light it was. That it was Jesus, but the only glimpse that they had of that was by people's prophetic imagination. They were saying what they had seen hundreds of years in the future. And some were so accurate, it was ridiculous. Right to the place where Jesus would be born. Right to the place that he would be a Nazareth. Right that he would be unrecognizable as a human. Right to the 
place that he would die, right to the place that he would live and minister in Judea. All these words came from people leaning into their imagination to see what this future could be like. And one could imagine the kind of spiritual darkness that existed upon the earth. No one had spoken or heard God speak, hadn't been a prophet of note for 300 years when Jesus came on the scene. 300 years, people just faithfully moving through life and wondering, when is this great light going to break forth upon us? This is a picture looking west from the city, and it's like, when is this light going to break upon us? You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, the storm has got to break eventually. Come on. <laughs> we got to get, is there a little peak of light? Me, God, God knows me. I'll just like, the smallest thing I'm encouraged by. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can see a little, a little peak in the darkness. Okay, that's good. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Like, we have to be encouraged by every single bit of fruit that God is bringing. Every single bit. Because this is how we begin to get a vision of the places that he was taking us. Look, listen to this. But you, Bethlehem, Epaphrath, though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then a remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. So he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. Micah 5, 2 through 4. Micah was a contemporary of Isaiah. There was a lot of apostasy going on in Israel, a lot of worshiping of other gods and other idols. And Micah is speaking this word boldly out in a time that was pre-exilic, which means that it was before the pain was actually coming. He's saying, but there's one coming. Where is he going to be born? In Bethlehem, the city of David. This is wild, man. Like, exactly out of you shall come the one to be ruler in Israel. This accuracy, but it was God speaking through his imagination to energize this hope of a nation. Even as long ago as it was, it was so beautiful. You ever listen to a song, and um, since you know the song, you know the person is going to get to the song, end of the song, and wild out, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow! You know, but they're like, oh, come, let us, you know, it's just like a quiet, I love you, Lord. And at the end, it's just like, ah, <laughs> it's like you get, you get to this crescendo in this song, this place where it manifests, this almost chaotic manifestation of it. And you really forget the beginning. You really forget how it started off because you remember exactly how it ended. This is us. And this song of the Lord, so beautiful and wonderful that it appears in such a small way, in a manger, and even on the margins. Why would Jesus do that? To protect this wonderful gift that was he, that of course was going to be abused by those who were wealthy and powerful. 
So he appears on the margins. And so many people say that it wasn't actually like a separate barn he was born in, but many of these homes, when people visited, they would have to stay if there was no room in the inn. They would have to stay in their like living room where the animals lived. So it was actually in the same kind of home that the animals lived in there and the people were in there, and this is a place that Jesus was born. But humble, that it wasn't the Four Seasons Hotel that it wasn't a place of honor that we give people when they come into town. My brother just came into town, you know what I'm saying? We're going to the beach, you know what I mean? We're getting little Portillo's, we getting to, we used to do Giordano's, we do Luminati now, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like you're doing all these places that are like amazing like that, and Jesus just kind of slips in the back door on a place that only the humble a road that only the humble can walk on. That there is not enough things in a world to look forward to that can show the true energizing hope of Jesus Christ coming in darkness. One of the darkest places I've ever been is after my sister passed away in 2016 and I lost jobs and it was just like tumultuous and we were moving and it was crazy and I was just thinking this week about what, like, really pulled me out of that. I'm, I'm just, like, really trying to remember. Like, yeah, we had counseling. Um, we went to talk about ways to grief and all that stuff. But you know who it was, actually? That little ball of fire downstairs, Kalia. That we found out that she was coming. Our fifth child. <laughs> My wife honestly cried when she heard about it. Not in a good way. <laughs> She had just started a food business where she made healthy meals for people, and it was starting to take off, and then she couldn't stand the sight of food. So <laughs> that business was over. <laughs> but Kalia being born in 2017 was really a, a note of hope for us. It really broke through all this darkness that we have. And I think about people sometimes who can't have children, um, people who are, would, would desire to. But then I think about all these people waiting for a Messiah and him coming in the darkness as a child. This is my child who's going to affect our lives and the people that she's going to touch, but one who's going to change world history the same way that God invites us into this story, into Chicago. God wants to do something here that he has never done in the city before. If we can't imagine it, it won't manifest because he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. He asks us to ask and think so that he can exceed it. But we must begin this process of imagining and believing That we are energizing hope because a promise is a promise. And that's why we look at the stars. Last year I did this whole thing where I had this, uh, one of those star machines. And so I like reflect, I like uh, projected um, stars on the ceiling. And I was just like, look at the stars. Because that was the same way God was trying to give Abraham a glimpse of what was possible. Here's Abraham from the Ur of Chaldees. He's decided to live, leave his family, his, his own patriarch, Terah, and God just says, go. Nobody he knows has ever heard God before, 
but he knows it's God. And so he goes. And then God says, look, your name is Abram. You don't have a child. You don't have a prospect for ever having a child, but I'm going to make you great. And he's like, what the F are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, he's like, I've tried IVF, everything, man. It's not working. How are you saying I'm going to be a great nation? And God is like, trust me. You're not listening to just anyone. This is me. How he had to hold on to hope in Genesis 12, 2 through 3. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Talk about a bold and audacious claim from God. In you, all of the families of earth shall be blessed. And you have just gotten your 15th barren report from the doctor. Imagine that. In trading, stockbrokers, there's something called diamond hands. And what that is, is like people who no matter how the stock market looks will hold on to their stock and not sell just very easily. And that you need that kind of resolve in order to see your investment come to maturity. And I've just been thinking of that term this week. I didn't know how it places, but that's how we have to be with our promises. Like diamond hands, like it's just not going to be taken away from us easily. And God tells you something that audacious. And as long as you can remember it, it is a promise to you. A promise is a promise. So I want you to begin, take a second, close your eyes. Begin to imagine what God is going to do in this body. As, As wild as you can imagine it, as great as you can see it, no matter how bold it is, Imagine what God is going to do for us here at Missio Day Humble Park. Think of the impact that we're going to have in the city. Think of all the ways that this city is known as a certain thing that it won't be known for anymore. Think of all of those salvations that are going to come. People are going to come in here and see Christ and meet Christ and have their lives changed. And then they're going to go change their families. And marriages are going to be reconciled. And and division between races is not going to exist the same way anymore. Think about, imagine all those things. And even more. Imagine God expanding us so that his glory will be made known. And I thank you, Father, for giving us a glimpse of what it looks like for your kingdom to expand, that we would hold on to your promises with everything that we have, because you will bless us Let all of the families on earth be blessed through us because we are children of Abraham and children of Jesus and heirs of this kingdom. And I thank you for giving us this glimpse, Father. 
In Jesus' name, amen. So at some point, I got some paper back there and some markers. I want you to go write down what you saw. All right, so now you saw something. Maybe you didn't see anything. You felt something. You're like, that's just me. I had too much pizza last night. I don't know. It's like indigestion, maybe it is. Whatever it was you saw or you dream or you thought it was your imagination, I want you to write it back there in some point during service, after service, whatever you would like to do. That God always gives us a glimpse, and then he takes us there. A little peek, and then we go there. And you know what our problem is? So many times we are in a place of competition. Therefore, when God shows us something and someone else, we get jealous, we get upset, and then we can't receive what he wants to give us. He's like, I gave you a glimpse because I want to take you there. We may see churches and they're packed out and everybody's getting saved, and we go, that's horrible. Do you know God is just giving you a glimpse of something? He may have given you a glimpse of somewhere he wants to take you, but if we don't receive it in the right way, then we have closed off our opportunity. He's not showing us those things so that he can keep them from us. He's showing them to test our hearts. I've said it before. I guarantee you whatever you desire from the Lord, he's going to bless five people close to you with it before you, just to see what you do with it. You go, oh, man, I really wanted to get married. Oh, I really wanted that job. I really wanted that. Where's your heart at? Can you celebrate with them? I promise you, every time that we've had something that we really desired, we had to celebrate with a series of people before we walked into it. That's, how, that's what tenderizes your heart, and that's what begins to show you what is possible. This is why we have to move in different Um, circles and crowds of people who believe anything is possible because then we start believing that way. We're like, oh man, they, they think that's possible. Okay, yeah, I think this is possible too. And that's how we continue to level up and continue to walk with this prophetic imagination. Well, we don't, we just don't think anything is impossible because it's not. Our limiting mindsets will keep us. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give to me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram also said, since you have given me no son, one who has been born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be, that he believed in the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who has brought you out of the Earl of the Chandines to give you this land to possess it. You see that? Negotiation. Okay, see, I, you know, somebody in my house, I may be able to find a child, um, This is why Ishmael was born, negotiation, and he's trying to do it himself. And then, of course, we know this is the glimpse of Jesus. And God says, all right, now that you've given me your, uh, we've got your only child, I want you to go and sacrifice him. And he goes all the way. 
And some say that Isaac, um, that, um, that Abraham was so old, it's no way that he could carry the sacrifice up the mountain. There's no way that he could, like, really carry this boy up the mountain, that he had to go willingly and do that. Very similar to the way Jesus did. This was God giving Abraham a glimpse of where he was taking him, the sacrificial offering of a son. But you're going to be blessed. I'm going to bless all the nations through you. And telling him to imagine. Now look towards the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. That his hope was so firmly rooted in the promise that God had given him. That even the idea that that promise being given back up to God would not daunt that belief. (laughs) Where he says, even if God can restore my son, even in the midst of this sacrifice, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And it's not hope that's put off, because any true energizing hope of the gospel that is rooted in Christ, remember in Colossians, it does not disappoint This is when we put off hoping at all that our heart becomes sick. But God, that we would desire fulfilled is a tree of life. That's what the tears come from in a breakthrough moment. That this is this longing, this desire fulfilled. That is as if we are on a normal track of reality and there's a normal there's also an unseen track of hope that goes alongside of all that happens in reality. And then it breaks. This is Jesus being born, that hope. Those in darkness have seen a light. It breaks in. This is where we are going to be the most proud of our faith, of our belief, when you didn't see it, it's unseen. That everything that is seen was made from something that was unseen. It is on this track, and we, we can't see it, but we have to believe that there is this thread, this red thread, for lack of a better color, this blood-colored thread that is running through history of Jesus' sacrifice that gives us an ultimate hope that energizes us and doesn't disappoint. That desire you have in your heart from the Lord, it will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. Because it has been fulfilled in Jesus. So we have to be careful of Comparing ourselves in a place where God has given us a glimpse of somewhere. How come I don't have that? How come I don't have this? That we should be content in all that we have. And he will take us into the place 
where we shall truly find that all God needs is a spark. All he needs is a spark of life in us to change this great city. Hold on to your dreams. Write your dreams down. Be around those who are going to encourage you to the Lord, who's going to encourage you to goodness, to imagination, to beauty. So go back there and write something down after the service. Um, And I'm not going to do much with them. Maybe I'll take a picture of them and pray over them or something. But they're going to be up there all Advent for us to begin to imagine where God is inviting us into. Remember, he's not going to take us any place He shows us. We can't imagine any place that our heart is not open to see. You guys want to stand up?